This is Beat the Closing Line. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beat the Closing Line. I am your host, Nicole Russo, alongside analyst for thelines.com, Eli Hershkovich. For today's interview, we are going to be chatting with Wes Reynolds, VEASAN co-host of Live Bet Tonight and winner of Westgate Sportsbook's Pro Football Season Wins Challenge. Now, Wes, normally I ask our guests, how the football season has been going for them, but it sounds like it's been going pretty well for you. So congratulations on that win. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on guys. But you know, like any contest, whether it's like a season wins or it's the circa million or the super contest or the survivor, what have you last man standing, you need some variants to go your way. So it's not all skill. There's, you know, just for people that are starting to get into contests, there is some luck involved and you got to have a couple breaks go your way. Fortunately, in week 18, we did. Awesome. We're going to get into a little bit more about that process. But before we do, as always, make sure you subscribe to the Beat the Closing Lines pod wherever you get your podcast. And if you are watching us on YouTube, make sure to give us give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the Lines YouTube channel. Without further ado, Eli, why don't you take it away? Yeah, Wes. So you kind of hit on it a bit with Nicole, but take us through your process in the Westgate Pro Football Season Wins Challenge. And Maybe how you were a bit contrarian along the way. You know, Eli, it was actually like an accident because, (laughs) uh, you know, I discovered this contest and, excuse me, I actually signed up the night before the opener, which was Bills and Rams, that Thursday night opener. So I go over there because I do a night show here on the West Coast. So it's six to nine. So, you know, after a show, nine o'clock at night, I'm just like, I'm kind of tired. Do I really want (laughs) to go sign up for this? And I eventually did, you know, right when the book, you know, kind of toward closing hours when there's not a lot of activity. So I thought, okay, perfect time to go there. Now I got to determine what I want to do. And usually when you have 32 NFL teams, you probably at least for maybe half to like two thirds of them, you have a good read. If you've done your work over the summer, okay, I really like this team or I'm way down on this team. So you have a certain read. And then there's probably a handful, maybe six to eight, where it's like, I think the number's right. I don't know what to do, and I'm almost just, like, guessing here. And then if you're trying to, I think, plan a strategy to win the thing, you got to go kind of differently than than some of the other bettors or some of the other people in the pool. So what I did all summer long, and, you know, when we're starving for content before football actually starts, (laughs) you know, we're doing previews of the division and and all of that stuff, who's going to have best record, worst record, going through every single award market. And when we get to Super Bowl futures, whenever I talk to any – Sportsbook director out here. I don't care if it was Chris Andrews at the South Point or Jay Cornegay and John Murray over at Wet at Superbook at the Westgate or the guys at BetMGM or wherever. All I was hearing on the Super Bowl was the old Destiny's Child song Bills, Bills, Bills. Pay my telephone bill, pay my automobile, pay my credit card bill. And that's all you were hearing. It was all Bills Super Bowl future. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go at least under with that team because everybody's going to go over because, I mean, you know, they got to the point where it's like we don't want any more money on Bills Super Bowl futures. So some of the premium teams I decided to go under on, the Bills were one of them now, probably in light of obviously horrible circumstances, got fortunate that that got ruled out. Now, I had the Bengals over, too, to counteract that, but – yeah, you got to go a little bit a little bit off the grid and and you know you're going to be guessing on at least a few of these cuz you're probably not going to have a really strong conviction either one way or the other on 32 teams. So that's basically what I did. Now, you know, I got 22 wins, but I had, you know, you're going to miss the boat on a few of them like I had the Colts over. 
Okay, I had the Colts to win the division in the AFC South, and obviously that uh, wound to a screeching halt very quickly for Indianapolis, (laughs) you know, which is my hometown, and that's my hometown team. But, you know, so you're going to miss some, and then you're going to get lucky. So I think I was like 19-7 and 1 or something going into the final week, so I had basically like four coin flips. I had Carolina, which I needed to win for their over. I had New England, I needed to lose for their under. I had the Chargers, I needed to win for their over. And then I had the Washington Commanders. It was probably the Commanders that actually put me over the top, considering they were seven and a half point underdogs at home. That was the one I got really fortunate on. But that's what you need in these things. These contests are so like close and razor thin margins that you have to get lucky. Well, congratulations again, and also congratulations on becoming our first ever guest to karaoke on the show, and that was quite <laughs> a delight. So th- <laughs> thank you for. <laughs> I, I I I hope uh, I hope I don't get you in trouble where you got to pay. I was gonna say we might run into some copyright <laughs> issues from from Destiny's Child, but I think it was well worth it. Uh, taking a look at this wild card weekend, <laughs> the 49ers are gonna open it as nine and a half point favorites against the Seahawks. The totals down to forty two and a half after opening forty. Three and a half. Now, San Francisco has gone two and zero against Seattle in the regular season, covering both times. Are there any betting angles that interest you in this matchup? Side in total, probably not. I mean, if if you made me, I would lean Seattle if the ten, if the double digits showed again. But this might be a game if I get involved with. It's probably going to be like a player prop angle and just you know. See, seeing what happens here, I would, I would have honestly rather Detroit made the playoffs. I, I you know, I hated that call against Jalen Ramsey at the end, and this is nothing against Seattle, but I've seen this twice. I would have liked to have seen the Lions because at least they're kind of a fun, exciting yeah. team, sometimes in a good way right. and sometimes in a bad way. But <laughs> I really would have preferred Detroit here. I think that this is obviously a very tough matchup for Seattle, but you know, where I'm looking perhaps on the props is. I don't have the number in front of me. I think it was in like the mid 230s, like Geno Smith under his passing yards because we know San Francisco, number one defense in the league. D'Amico Ryan's going to start getting all the, you know, all the interviews and people requesting to speak with him. Now, I worry that that could be a little bit of a distraction because sometimes that is for a playoff team where it's like, okay, I'm a coordinator. Now everybody wants to interview me for their head coaching job. So you do worry a little bit about that. I I think Brian Dable went through this same situation last year when he was the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. But I I, I find it very hard for Seattle. Uh, You know, they they are down a couple receivers. They, of course, still have Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf. But you saw D.K. Metcalf against the Jets. I think he only had, like, three targets because he got locked up by Sauce Gardner. So I just don't see a lot of big pass plays down the field. Geno Smith has had a resurgence this year, has been the uh, maestro of the play-action pass. But I think the 49ers are going to take that away. 49ers also play a lot of underneath zone. They don't play a lot of man coverage. So I don't think that those opportunities are going to be down the field for Geno. So probably Geno Smith under passing yards. But as of right now, no interest in or total, but small lean to Seattle in the under. Yeah, depending on the sports book, Wes, it's sitting at around – 230 and a half and I'll spare you I know you mentioned you're from Indianapolis or from Indiana so I'll spare you the Indiana basketball questions and we'll continue on <laughs> thank you very much because uh, you know I don't I don't want to get you guys in trouble with what I would really have to say I don't blame you so over to the nightcap on Saturday shifting over to the AFC playoff picture another team that's stuck in the Jacksonville Jaguars 
They're two and a half point home dogs to the Chargers. Now, the Chargers opened at minus two and a half. It was down to as low as a pick, and it's back up to Los Angeles minus two and a half, total around 47 and a half. Now, if you look at how Jacksonville got here and got into the playoffs, they picked up three straight wins and five out of their last six, I believe. But their last three wins coming against the Jets, Texans, and Titans, three underwhelming teams, and Josh Jobs starting for. Tennessee in the week 18 finale and obviously the fumble that led to Jacksonville clinching a playoff berth and clinching the AFC South title Chargers offense underperformed this season Justin Herbert was considered an MVP candidate and obviously he underperformed as a result so any lean towards the side or any bets on the side are total for you here Small lean to Jackson or excuse me to the Chargers here as the small road favorite because I basically look at, at, you know, who has the worst unit of anybody on the football field in this matchup, and I think it's the Jaguars' pass defense. They are 30th in DVOA. Now, what I worry about is, is are the Chargers and the offensive coordinator Lombardi and, of course, uh, Brandon Staley as head coach, are they going to let Justin Herbert actually throw the ball down the damn field? And they don't often do that. You know, it's kind of dink and dump. It's like you got a, you got a Ferrari and you're running him like a Hyundai Sonata here at quarterback. And that's what I feel like. I feel like, you know, a lot of this is underneath, underneath. And it's like, try to beat him deep. Give him a shot. But I think maybe the short passing game can actually work against Jacksonville here. Because, you know, going to use Keenan Allen. And now that he is back, he's such a key to that offense. He's the possession guy. He's the guy that moves the chains. You know, Mike Williams, we're going to see how he holds up after I felt Brandon Staley, who I defend more often than not. I had no defense for him, though, and against Denver in week 18 because he's leaving all these guys in there. And then Bosa gets banged up. Mike Williams gets banged up. It's like, OK, what are you doing? You cannot move anywhere. You're going to be in this in this five seed essentially you cannot do anything so I didn't understand why he did that but I I can't always get inside Brandon Staley's mind nobody (laughs) apparently can Uh, that's a dangerous place to be but I think the Chargers are the better team and I just I worry about that Jacksonville pass defense now Duvall's going to be rocking in the playoffs winning the division but if you look at who Jacksonville played obviously it's the AFC South. It's the worst division in the National Football League. You played the Colts twice. You play the Texans twice. You play the Titans twice with their banged up team. You know, Jacksonville, I think, got them really in the worst end of their injuries, too. Uh, both meetings, the one in Nashville and then the one in Jacksonville last Saturday night. So credit to the Jags for getting in the playoffs. I think the Chargers are the better team. This might be a small money line play on the Chargers or maybe Parrot with a bigger favorite. Could be like a Buffalo, could be a Cincinnati if you're interested in that way. But uh, that's the way I'd go here. And I think we mentioned this little fun fact on our Tuesday episode, but I believe if Jacksonville does pull this off and win this game, it'll only be the third time in NFL history that a team has gone from a first round draft pick to a playoff win in the subsequent season. So, so there's hope in Indianapolis. <laughs> there's hope. It's the, that's like the, the, the battle cry basically for the Indianapolis Colts right now is it's very discouraging uh, around the horseshoe in Indy is that it's the AFC South. <laughs> It's like, okay, we're far away, but we're not really that far away. Exactly. 
a year can change anything, and we've seen it. But um, <laughs> sticking with the AFC playoff picture, the Bills got steamed immediately after Tua was ruled out for the Dolphins. That line is now Buffalo minus 13, total sitting at 43.5 points. Now, it's unknown whether whether or not Teddy Bridgewater is going to play after dislocating his pinky in his throwing hand. So how do you handicap this game if Teddy gets the nod versus Skylar Thompson being forced to start for the second straight week? Yeah, I think, I mean, you clearly would rather have Teddy. He's a more proven commodity and, you know, takes care of the ball. But Teddy Bridgewater is not a guy that's going to beat you. He's not a guy that's going to throw the football down the field. You, you know, he's dink and dump, manage the game, take care of the football. But I didn't really know, you know, I can't really do anything with the spread now that it's moved so far. I'm not going to lay a bad number on Buffalo. But, yeah, I think if you're going to attack this and bet the Buffalo Bills – and you don't want to lay the number necessarily, or you don't want to put it in a teaser or a money line parlay, perhaps the team total could be the way to go with Buffalo. Uh, looking at it, I think, uh, what is their team total? Yeah, I'm seeing around like 14 in the first half. I think it's 28 for the game. I'm not mad at either side. Buffalo actually at, at home uh, averages 19.7 points per game in the first half. Miami in the road gives up 18.6 in the first half. I believe that's 31st out of 32 teams. So, you know, you could see if it is going to be Skylar Thompson, I think you're probably going to get a fair amount of stalled drives uh, at least early on. But the way I would play Buffalo is probably that they're going to score a bunch of points because, number one, not only the number moving with the injury, but I also would get concerned about Lane Buffalo and the fact that how much emotion – did they dump out last week in that season finale against New England, you know, with uh, that, you know, rousing rendition of, of the national anthem there in Buffalo. Everybody obviously gathered together to, you know, try to lift up DeMar Hamlin, who now has been released from the hospital. And that's obviously wonderful news because that Monday night, we, we thought we might have saw something really fatal. And, and you know, that that's obviously great news. And I think it's been a rallying cry for the Buffalo Bills. But And we saw Naeem Himes return that opening kickoff and then another one in the second half. And there was just so much emotion and that's what can concern you. So even if it's Skylar Thompson, whether it's Skylar, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, I don't know if you necessarily rush to the window to lay this big number on the spread with the Buffalo Bills. But if you want to play the Bills, I think maybe the team total would be the best way to do so. And over to the second game on Sunday, Wes. Vikings, Giants, Vikings still minus three. Hasn't shifted above or below the key number, and everybody knows about Minnesota's record in one-score games. Our co-host on Beat the Closing Line on Tuesdays has hammered that to a premium this season, maybe ad nauseum. Monoara <laughs> bringing up the Vikings, I think, 11 wins in NFL record, 11 wins mm-hmm. in one-score games. So now that we've already discussed that, looking at the Giants, and again, they covered his four-and-a-half-point dogs in week 16 but this defense is a lot healthier especially in the secondary and you couple that with Minnesota's offensive line issues and Wink Martindale and this Giants defense blitzing I believe at the league's highest rate Daniel Jones has also had a lot of success against zone defenses and you have a mismatch coaching wise between Brian Dable and Ed Donatel so I'm clearly saying to you that I like the Giants even though the adjustment has been made from the week 16 spread 
So total at around 48, anything for the side total or props for you for this game? Well, you kind of led into it there, Eli. Uh, my partner on Visa and Live Bet Tonight, Femi Abebefe, uh, referred to this as the fraud bowl between the Giants and the Vikings because we've been talking about this all season. You mentioned Mo here on the podcast that, you know, Minnesota's numbers, they're just how, – how are they doing this? Because it's like this is not a very g- good team, even though their record says that they are. And, look, I would happily cast the the NFC North uh, win and the season wins over. I don't ask any questions. We put that in the past, but I deal in reality. This is not a great team. This is a team that's been lucky. I think the Giants, to be fair, they have been lucky as well. This is a rematch from just a couple weeks ago. You mentioned about how the Giants like the blitz. Kirk Cousins, I believe, on his PFF grade is 34th out of 42 against the Blitz this year. He actually also against against man coverage, which the Giants are going to play mostly, one yard per pass attempt less. So that's a concern. If you looked at the first matchup, the Giants out yarded him by nearly 100 yards. I think it was 445 to 353, if my uh, math is correct there. And also, the Vikings have lost both rematches this year. Take 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 out the Bears, of course, but. You know, they beat Green Bay in the week one uh, game and then lost resoundingly at Lambeau Field uh, in week 17. And then Detroit did the same thing. Uh, Lost the first game, beat them in the rematch. Giants are rested. If you look at the metrics, though, the Giants actually rank top five in third round defense uh, and red zone defense. Now, you look at like their DVOA, it's going to be near the bottom of the barrel. But speaking of DVOA, that's why everybody's been so down on Minnesota. What are they, like 28th uh, in offensive DVOA, 30th in special teams? I think uh, in total DVOA, they are 27th, it, which is just unbelievable uh, when you look at this. Uh, the fact that, uh, what is their record? 13-4. and four. 13 and 4 and they're 27th in DVOA. <laughs> I think that that tells you a lot of something. Uh Road Dogs have actually been pretty good in the wild card round in the playoffs. I think of a touchdown or less like 29 and 18 against the number over the last 20 years. Where I'm probably going to go though is I may go with a teaser here. And I know it's not like the pure perfect long teaser where you're going through both the 3 and the 7, but you are still going through the 7 here. So the Giants, maybe with another dance partner and uh, one that we could potentially mention, uh, Tampa Bay, I think would probably be the best dance partner with that if you want to tease. Perhaps Cincinnati if you're confident in the Bengals. But I'm with you, Eli. I think I think this is – I would be more on the Giants side at plus three here than anything. But I think the teaser gives you a little bit of safety if you want to go that route. Fraudulent is definitely a word the three of us on Tuesday have used quite a bit as well to – <laughs> describe the Vikings and their record, but well, well, you love it when the national media is like, "Oh my God!" How when remember when they played Detroit? It's like, how are they getting points at Detroit? And then Detroit never was challenged in that game. Right. So whenever you get that national media refrain, people that aren't in the betting space like we are that look at these different numbers, that's what you saw, and they got exposed as such. Definitely. We're going to move forward to the finale on Sunday night featuring the Ravens at the Bengals. Now, it does seem unlikely that Lamar Jackson is going to return after missing the last five games with the knee injury. So you have either Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown starting for the Ravens and the betting market seems to reflect that. 
The Bengals are as high as nine-point favorites, and the total has dipped in the process. Now, the Ravens' defense has played at a top-five level since acquiring Roquan Smith, while the Bengals' offense has been operating at a bottom-five efficiency over the last three games. Do you have any bets on this one? Uh, I am, I think, going to get involved, and I think I'm going to, you know— Take a stab with the Baltimore Ravens here getting all these points. We know that, you know, this number is telling us that it's likely not going to be Lamar, but I think that the market is kind of saying maybe they're a little bit more 50-50 that Tyler Huntley at least is going to play. Uh, if you want to look at what we saw last week, you know, 11-point loss for the Ravens, but Anthony Brown did settle in better in the second half. He was awful in the first half, and that's what really put him behind the eight ball, never gave him a chance to really be close at the end in the game. But he at least got some rust, got some experience. I think probably it's going to be Tyler Huntley, who is obviously is the lower turnover risk, as we have seen, you know, than Anthony Brown certainly was in Week 18 at Cincinnati. I think, you know, Huntley kind of knows what he is and, you know, just kind of keep it color in between the lines here. Hit Mark Andrews, move the chains, be able to run the ball. But really, it's not necessarily just a play on Baltimore who really does come limping into the playoffs, obviously. It's a little bit against Cincinnati because I got to tell you where I'm concerned with Cincinnati is on that offensive line, especially on the right side. It doesn't look like Alex Kappa is going to go. He left the game, so I don't know if he is going to be back. So it would be Max Sharping at right guard. We know in terms of right tackle, Lyle Collins went on IR at the end of 2022. So it's uh, Hakeem Adinajay. So we saw Joe Burrow, if you watched that game last week, he got pressured, and he got pressured a lot. And I know he's, you know, really good against the blitz, but the Ravens didn't really have to blitz. They were able to get pressure with that front four. And if they're able to do it again, I think that they can hang in this game. The, the right side of that offensive line is just really bad. So I, I think the Bengals may have a little bit of trouble because if watching that game, you saw all those drives for the Bengals just stall in the second half. They really couldn't put Baltimore away. Now, Baltimore wasn't really close enough. They were down double digits where they were going to be at least a threat to to win at the end so I don't see this number really moving much I, I think it's now kind of baked in obviously if it's Lamar then it's going to be cut in half you're going to see you know nine come become four and a half or five because I don't think it could go down to three because keep in mind Lamar's missed 16 straight practices and he has not you know he's going to be rusty I think with several weeks out even if he does play so I'm comfortable in this eight and a half, nine range if it is Tyler Huntley here. So I'm probably going to take a little bit of a stab at the Ravens. Harbaugh, by the way, 5-0 and straight up in ATS in the wild card round in his career. So, yeah, I, I think this is a lot of points. Keep in mind, this was 11 last week. And, you know, and the Bengals were right there, at least right by the number at the end. And that was Anthony Brown making his first start. So you got to think, even if it is Anthony Brown, He's going to be a little bit better in his second start, but you know I'm assuming it's going to be Huntley, and I, I thought nine was pretty high here. I'm with you there, Wes. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. 
Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Looking at the last game in the wild card round, Cowboys at Bucks, Dallas down to a two and a half point road favorite after there were some minus threes earlier in the week, total set at 46. There are some 45s and juice towards the under, but looking at Dak Prescott and his turnover issues of late, throwing some interceptions, key interceptions against the commanders. We touched on, Washington and Dallas last week, but Prescott still with a 10th rated dropback EPA since week 12. So even though there is some concern with this Cowboys offense, Prescott specifically, are you looking towards either side in this game? Are you looking towards fading the Cowboys and Prescott here or any look towards the total? I'd like to fade both teams, but unfortunately <laughs> that's not an option. But if if getting involved in this game, I mentioned that teaser possibility earlier with the Giants. I think Tampa Bay, you can do the Wong teaser leg here through the three and the seven now that the threes have disappeared. So it's two and a half, tease that up to eight and a half. Uh, uh, Tampa Bay, if you look at them, they've had injuries all year, especially on that offensive line. Now, apparently Ryan Jensen, the center who got hurt in training camp, did return I don't know if he is going to play uh, as as we record here on Thursday, but th- they've had bad health really all year on both sides of the ball, and plus the fact that Tom Brady is 45 years old. Now, he still managed to set an NFL record for completions with 490, which tells you how <laughs> poor Tampa was at running the ball, but Byron Lefwich and Todd Bowles were going to be stubborn. Hey, we're going to run the ball. We're going to try to run the ball. We're going to try to run the ball, and they have tried. I mean, it's like – you know, Charlie Brown trying to kick the football and Lucy's going to lift it up every single time. <laughs> Tampa Bay just cannot run the ball. And that's why you got a 45 year old man, you know, damn near 500 completions, you know, throwing until his arm falls off. But one of the things I'm encouraged by, though, for Tampa Bay is they do have Akeem Hicks and Vita Vea back both healthy. They're getting healthier in the secondary. They were really good defensively. You know, the overall season metrics don't really indicate that this is a great defense, pretty much middle of the pack. But when they had Vita Vea and Hicks together, they were very tough to run against. So I think that they could maybe keep Zeke and Tony Bollard at least somewhat at bay here and then force Dak to make plays. And I know Dak has the ability to make plays, but to your point, Eli, an interception in seven straight games for Dallas. So... I was kidding my partner, Femi Abebefe, who's a big Cowboy fan, and he's like, man, I'm scared of this game. I just know that this game is going to happen. I know it's going to be Dallas and Tampa Bay <laughs> on Super Wildcard Weekend, and I'm watching Tampa Bay. I'm like, what are you afraid of? This team is a corpse. They can't move the ball because I was discouraged, I think, by their performance against Cincinnati where they got out to a lead, and then they turned the ball over five straight times. One of them, of course, that ill-fated fake punt that they ran, right. but Cincinnati <laughs> – yeah, yeah, they, they out-yarded Cincinnati by like 150, 160 yards, and I'm like, how are they getting beat double digits? But Tampa Bay found a way. 
that was a shocking one to watch. I remember. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, that, that was a tough one. That was a, that was an L for me because I felt pretty good. Seventeen nothing. I was like, see, here we go, Cincinnati. Because that was the, what was that? The best versus worst. Cincinnati'd been on that spread run, still on it, by the way. And Tampa Bay had the worst ATS record in the league. So I think betters kind of overreact to that, and they bet that accordingly. So I was like, okay, I knew these guys were wrong, you know, because we can get egos as betters. I was like, I got it nailed here with Tampa Bay at 17 nothing, and then it absolutely fell apart. And the uh, and uh, you know sometimes the sometimes the public or square whatever you want to call them sometimes they win and they won that one big time. <laughs> Wes, last question for today: Looking at Super Bowl futures, which you can find over at thelines.com. Now the Chiefs are the favorite at plus 350, with the Bills right behind them at plus 400. Do you see any value left on the board? It's tough to go with those teams. Obviously, we hadn't seen much movement out of the Bills, considering they were kind of near that mark over the summertime. Uh, but uh, the ones I have in pocket, I do I do have a 49ers in pocket. Uh, uh, I, I think that they're the team to beat in the NFC. I know everybody's saying Philadelphia, but until they get Lane Johnson back, I think that's a huge loss. This is a guy that I think is number three in PFF in terms of pass blocking grade, number seven overall as an offensive tackle that doesn't always get priced in the market it's always the quarterbacks it's always the skill positions but Lane Johnson huge loss and you look at Philadelphia I know part of that was Jalen Hurts Russ but they didn't look very sharp against the Giants and this was the Giants team that was playing nobody weren't playing Danny Dimes weren't playing Saquon weren't playing a lot of the key guys on defense and Philadelphia just didn't look sharp to me so I think the 49ers are the team to beat in the uh, in the uh, NFC, if you're going a little bit down the board, I know when it's not Buffalo and Kansas City, everybody gravitates towards Cincinnati, and I certainly understand that. But if you really want to take a shot, I think maybe the Chargers could be a shot here uh, because look, Chargers. I know they go chargering. That the, you know that's still a thing there in Los <laughs> Angeles. I was about to say San Diego. They're they're still San Diego's team in my Same opinion. Thing. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> But I think the Chargers, if they can if they can get this win, I think this is a dangerous team. And, you know, and, and they're, they're a team, if they, if they take the, the chains off Justin Herbert and, you know, just let this guy go, I don't, I don't know what it is with this poor guy. He's always had coaching, you know, that's really held him back. It was Mario Cristobal up there in Eugene when he was an Oregon Duck. So far, it's, it's uh, Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator. It's like, let this guy go, Anthony man. Lynn. Just, you know, sink, sink or swim with this guy. If he those four interceptions, right. so be it. <laughs> Let him go. But the Chargers are kind of the team down the board that I think could be interesting. I was going to say Baltimore, but that was, you know, predicated on Lamar being back because I think the defense has really gotten better throughout the year. But, you know, if, if they're without Lamar, I, I, I just don't see it here. So if I'm going for a dark horse, I think it's the Chargers. My Super Bowl pick actually at the beginning of the year was 49ers and Chargers. I feel confident in one of them, but I still think the Chargers maybe could surprise in the AFC. Wes, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, congrats on your contest win. As always, for the latest odds and game previews, head over to thelines.com, and we will see you next week.